In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, we talk about rest. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. Join me as we discover how to be better Christians and people in the digital age. So, we have a dog. (laughs) No, we don't think of her as a fur baby, nor as an integral part of our family. We have gone through several dogs at the Embry house, and Coco is a cute and sweet little Yorkie Shih Tzu mix, but both Katie and I agree, this is probably our last dog. Yes, she's pretty good companionship, but like all dogs do, she's shown her willful, stubborn side. We have tried to train her to some extent, but unlike the other dogs we've had, she isn't catching on. Likewise, there's a lot of busy work that comes from dog ownership, like the numerous walks they require to relieve themselves, daily feeding, brushing, trimming, and when we get out of town, we have to either find a dog sitter or someplace to board the dog. Plus, in the eight years we've had Coco, she is the only dog we've ever owned that hasn't figured out the place to pee is outside, not in. Despite our best efforts, there's this little yellow place on the living room rug Coco loves to go to and do her business. That and her inability to control herself when anyone approaches our door. Anyone delivering something to the Embry house has met Coco in all her nine-pound glory. However, one of the things the dog does a lot is find Katie, then lay down at her feet. Coco is not an active dog, and there are days when I look at her face and marvel at her perspective on rest. I hate to admit it, but there's something I can learn from that little dog. As Christians, rest is one of those things we have a problem moderating. Some of us never know when to sit down, and some of us can't seem to make it off the couch. I don't want to talk about the latter right now, but only say that laziness and sloth aren't virtues. But Coco, that silly little dog, reminds me that rest is important business. And there are at least three important lessons we learn in rest. It gives you perspective. It helps you trust God more. And finally, it gives you time to think. As we speak, I'm in a hotel room with my wife in Chicago. Katie and I try to take a trip every year with just us, and it's one of those traditions I recommend for everyone. At home, there's an important cadence that happens every morning. Katie and I wake up, the dog goes out, coffee gets made, laundry is started, dishes are emptied from the dishwasher, or the dishwasher is started, and the shower does its work. It's the business of getting our day going, and I'm sure you have something like it going on in your home as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Simple, daily stuff needs to get done, and you're probably the one to do them. But the value of getting out of the house, even for a few days, is we don't have the same responsibilities. We sleep in, we take walks, we see stuff, and it reminds us of some important things. It reminds us why we like each other. It reminds us of the things we like or don't like, and how our daily routine may or may not be helping us get closer to the stuff we really want. And it allows us to reconnect in ways that don't include laundry, or taxing children around. In Ezekiel 3, God plucked Ezekiel up and put him by the river Kibar and had him sit and rest for seven days. It gave Ezekiel a perspective 
on what was and wasn't working with the exiles. It allowed him to see how bad things had gotten for them. Once Ezekiel had that different perspective, he was given a job to be the voice of God for Israel. It's easy to get caught up in doing the same thing over and over again. Bills need to be paid. Chores need to be done. Urgent stuff needs to become checkboxes because we all have responsibilities and someone has to do it. But just because something is urgent doesn't mean it's important. My wife and I have many responsibilities, and it's easy to let the busyness of life shove out the basic parts of our relationship. We love each other. We want to help each other. Yes, we have our disagreements, but our disagreements shouldn't be the core of our relationship. Getting out of town and resting us reminds us of that. As Christians, we need to go to church, read our Bibles, help others, pray, volunteer at church, and tell others about Jesus. Those are all good things to do. But don't let the busyness of Christianity make you forget the most important bit. Christianity, at the end, isn't checking boxes. It's a relationship. Sometimes taking a break and gaining a different perspective can help you manage what is truly important and what is urgent, but really and sometimes without a point. The Sabbath sounds great to many of us. Can you imagine being able to take a break one day a week and do nothing? It sounds like a dream for many because of the litany of stuff that needs to get done. Tommy Peeler helped remind me that the Sabbath was probably one of the most difficult commandments to observe for many Jews because it meant you had to learn to trust God more. You couldn't work. You couldn't provide for your family. You simply had to trust that whatever it is you truly needed, God had it under control. That's hard. In the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath commandment was the longest. God was specific. You couldn't work. Your family couldn't work. Your servants couldn't work. Your animals couldn't work. And your visitors couldn't work. If you weren't done with that big project, the project was going to be put down for a day. Period. When you learn to truly rest, you learn how little power you really had anyway. Yes, God is in control, but I'm not sure any of us are really comfortable with that. For years, I've had a fear of flying. I have to admit, the logic behind getting in a long metal tube and being propelled 500 miles an hour is a little beyond me. I don't really understand it. But that isn't really the reason it made me feel uncomfortable. When I'm in a car, I don't really understand the mechanics of what's going on in a car either. I know I put gas in it, change oil, but why putting my foot on a pedal and turning a wheel controls this two-ton projectile makes no sense to me at all. But the difference between the car and an airplane is in a car... I'm the idiot behind the wheel, and I feel very confident in that position. When I'm in a plane, I'm a passenger who doesn't have any illusion of control at all. And that's probably the operative word, illusion. 
some of the things I do in a car affect whether I stay on the blacktop or not. But honestly, I'm not in nearly as much control as I believe. Intellectually, I know God is in control. But I have to admit, I don't always feel comfortable with that idea. Yes, he is far wiser than I am. He knows everything. He has handled the world and the universe very well without me and will continue to do so after I'm gone. But I don't like giving him the wheel because I feel like that's something I can do. And, well, trusting God is just hard. But the great characters of faith have always had to recognize and trust God would make things good. Joseph trusted God in a pit, in prison, in his job, and then, when his own rage could have made him take revenge on his brothers, when he had the power to do it, but he didn't. He trusted God. Daniel trusted God with his diet and a den of lions among people who hated him and plotted to kill him. None of that mattered. He didn't take matters into his own hands. He trusted God. And that kind of trust is hard. But finally, taking a break lets you do something most of us don't do nearly enough of. It allows us to think. Most of us know the right answers to most of the questions we have about future plans or how we should live. We just don't stop and ask ourselves, how well we're doing it. Job is one of those stories I both hate and love at the same time. Job had everything taken from him, only to have his friends accuse him that he was a huge sinner. Job knew better. He appealed to God, and eventually God answered him, which is kind of amazing all by itself. But in all of the accusations his friends lobbed at him, Job only solved the problems with their arguments. While all the friends accused Job of some horrific sin in his life, they couldn't identify one. No one told him about the sin that made him suffer because it didn't exist. They felt strongly, but they didn't have any evidence to back up their accusations because it wasn't there. We live in a time when strong evidence has given way to strong emotions. It's easy to say strong feelings should simply be dismissed, but there's a danger in that. People who feel deeply are often hurt deeply. I'm not a psychologist, but the people who are tell me part of the process of untangling toxic emotions is uncovering what happened that made someone believe a strong feeling was reasonable. It could be abuse or addiction, or trauma. But something made them feel like this terrible reaction can help them feel safe, righteous, or justified. So, something could be reasonable to you without being right. But strong feeling isn't strong evidence, and we shouldn't confuse the two. It is my belief that all academics teach one thing if they do their jobs correctly. We all teach critical thinking. We have to be able to sort through what's true and what's right. That's not a popular position in some places, because yes, I'm talking about big T truth. And that means some people who have strong emotions 
are just wrong about some things, including me. We often don't see the world as it is, but as we are. And that's not a virtue. When we stop ourselves, we give ourselves time to think without reacting. Resting does that. I know so many fights between my wife and I, or my kids and I, or my students and I, are simply products of passion and impatience, where if any of us had stopped and thought things through, we would be more understanding and come to a better solution, if any solution truly existed. I see Coco on top of the blanket where my wife is sitting. Coco doesn't understand any of this, but she does know the value in stopping and being still. What she doesn't see, but what I do, is that slowing down and resting gives us perspective, helps us to trust God more, and finally gives us time to think, which is always a good thing to do. God help us to rest more and react less. As for the good thing I'm thinking about, as I said, I'm with my wife in Chicago for a few days, and I'm grateful for the marriage God undoubtedly had a hand in. That's a very good thing, indeed. I'll remind you again, the Balancing the Christian Life conference is about a month from now. If you go to balancingthechristianlife.com, there's a link where you can see the content and sign up for the conference. It has a free tier, and I'm welcoming all of you to come and listen to what we have. We have three sponsors, including a good friend of mine, Mike Wilkes, Julie Adams and her counseling business, and another good friend of mine, Chris Osborne. I'm very grateful for that. I'll be recording what they once said in their ad copy in a couple of days, but I'm thrilled people see the value in what we're trying to do. So until next time, let's be good and do good.